Good morning. Today's reading is from Matthew 28, verse 1 to 20. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes as white as snow. The guards shook from fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Rejoice! And they came up and took took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go, bring word to my brothers to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were on their way, some of the men from the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests what had, all that had happened. And when, ha, sorry, and when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say, his disciples came at night and stole him while we were asleep. And if it comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And the story was widely spread among the Jews and is today. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated to them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Chloe. A lot can happen in three days. They say in politics that uh, a week is a long time in politics. Well, I mean, because in the spirit, time isn't. But even uh, in God's dealings on earth, a lot can happen in three days. But you know, a lot can happen in three days and people have no idea what's happened. I think there's a saying out, there's things that make things happen. There's things that people, people who make things happen, there's people who watch things happen, and there's people that have no idea that something's happened. And uh, one of the things I like about the, um, the uh, last few chapters of the New Testament is the fact that something amazing had happened and uh, the disciples had almost no idea. <laughs> they had no idea really uh, what had happened and, and what actually transpired in those three days. And it wasn't until after the resurrection and well after the resurrection that their eyes were opened and they got some sense of what happened and it really wasn't for decades later as the Holy Spirit revealed uh, through the Apostle Paul and Pauline epistles, the Pauline letters, the depth of what happened. Um, 
I like when the angel is talking to Mary and he says here that Jesus is risen just as he said. It's, it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, like face plant, spiritual face plant. Remember he said it and yet they were blinded to the fact that he was risen. And you'd think, you know, if there was a time when you'd like to go back in history and uh, you think... Uh, that what I'd like to see, and I don't know if you ever thought about that, but I would really love to be there on Resurrection Sunday. I know it would mean getting out of bed. They, they, had, a, they had a Sunday service. Uh, uh, the the uh, Minister's Fraternal had an uh, Easter Sunday service, but it was at 5.30. At 5.30, I'm still praying for you, all right? Still reading my Bible, praying for you. I'd have to get up early, but I think, who would like to be there Resurrection Sunday. I'd like to see it, you know, and in a sense we have some idea of what happened between the death and the resurrection, some idea. But do you know that the actual truth and the depth and the impact of what happened is actually revealed spiritually? Uh, it's, um, it's not understood intellectually. We can know that he's risen and have no idea what it means. We can look at all the evidence and have no idea of the impact on our life. It's spirit. Do you know there are people, and the Bible records them, who saw the risen Saviour, saw Him crucified, saw Him risen, and the Bible says they still didn't believe. And it takes humility It takes a bit of Lord humility to have the revelation of it. I played uh, in my high school days, I played rugby union and rugby league, but I played rugby league for Tari High School. And we had this big forward, his name was Mark. He was about this big and it was about this wide and he was huge, but he was a pussycat. Honestly, he'd get smashed. Anyone could cream him. He, he had no idea of the size and strength that he had and so he was easy pickings and I can remember running onto the field with him and the other team going like this and, and uh, looking at it and think oh no you know but it only took one or two tackles till they realized he was a pussycat because he had no idea I am sorry to say that most of us have no idea about what happened on Resurrection Sunday and not just to Jesus but to us and we, I'm believing today just for a little bit of revelation, a little bit of illumination in our hearts. All right? Too much of our theology is stops at the cross. And we have to get to the cross. We have to lay down our sin and we have to surrender. But it didn't stop there. But too much of our theology, without even knowing it, stops there. You know, when we, when we, when we battle Satan, we, we battle him from this side of the cross, not from the resurrected side. When we think of we sing, creating me a clean heart, that's, that's a psalm, that's a pre-resurrection psalm. The Bible says we have been given a new heart. He said, I will give them a new heart. I will take away the heart of stone and create them a heart of flesh. They will become my righteousness, the righteousness of me. So we need a revelation of what happened back then. And not just what happened to Jesus, but what happened to us 
right? Who's believing with me? Okay. We had baptism uh, yesterday and we're going to have communion today just to show you that we're not religious because we have communion first Sunday of every month, but it's Resurrection Sunday. I think we can do communion again, don't you? But we're going to talk about something that goes on between there where the bread isn't and you're all going to come out if you want to and we're going to give you the bread and then go over here three days later and take the blood of the new covenant we're going to talk about what happened in that time so um Turn with me if you would. Well, actually, it's interesting, just before you do, you know, Acts chapter 3, and we'll refer to it later. But, you know, before the resurrection, you've got Jesus hiding. Sorry, Jesus hiding. Peter hiding, and John not sure what's happening. And then after the resurrection, you've even got, you've got, um, you've got Peter not sure. Peter, he's gone fishing. He's running away. He's got no idea of what's happened to him. Even after the resurrection, he knew what had happened to Jesus, but he didn't know what had happened to him. And we can understand what happened to Jesus, and that will get us saved. But what gives us victory is understanding what happened to us. All right? And then in Acts chapter 3, just a few weeks later, this is the same smelly old fisherman and the little 17-year-old boy that were hiding, that were cowering, that were unsure, that needed restoration, and they walk into the temple, and there's a, there's a crippled man there, and he says, silver and gold have I nothing, but what I do have I give to you. And he says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And those of you that have been sitting through our series on faith, it's interesting. Now, this was a working of miracles. All right. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit working of miracles. But notice there that, that, that what did, first of all, what did Peter have faith in? He had faith in the name of Jesus. Somehow, between the resurrection and that time, he came to an understanding of what he had in the name of Jesus. He's just a smelly old fisherman. He was probably having a bad hair day. He stunk. His clothes needed a wash. Anyone feel like that? I felt like that a little bit this morning and I was praying and I said, Lord, I am so glad that there's your glory in an earthen vessel. And he said, then they said, how did this happen? He said, why are you amazed? You witnessed the resurrection. But they had no revelation as to what that meant. Today, we're getting illumination, revelation as to what happened to us in those three days. Because Peter said, it's by faith in Jesus' name. He had the faith. And those of us doing the series, if you read it, what happened then? He said he reached out and he pulled him up. Faith without works is dead. Today we're going to learn about, you're going to get illumination. I'm believing for it. We're believing for it. Illumination as to what happened to us. And then we have to go and act on it. We have to act as though it's true. Have you ever thought about just, you know, 
taking God's word and just acting as though it's true. Okay, I know this is a revolutionary thought. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm being, I'm being genuine. It sounds funny, but how often do we act as if it's not true? Or if it's true for someone else? What if it was true for us? What if what happened at the resurrection happened to us? What if? And, and even if we're having a bad day, do you know Jesus didn't rise from the dead on your good days? Do you know that? <laughs> I'm not being sarcastic. We feel like it, don't we? He's only risen on my good days. You know, when I'm feeling victorious, then I have a risen Savior. When I'm not feeling victorious, He's not risen. What if the name of Jesus was just as powerful on the days you're feeling weak as in the days you're feeling strong? What if the resurrection of Jesus Christ had nothing to do with how you're feeling? <laughs> what do you think about that? The power that raised Jesus from the dead had nothing to do. We couldn't out-sin him. We couldn't out-doubt out, out him. We couldn't out-mourn him. We couldn't out-depress him. We couldn't out-have bad dreams about him. We couldn't do He rose from the dead. This day we're celebrating a risen Savior and something happened to us. Something happened to us. And God didn't send his son just for a good deed. It just was God didn't send his son to die for us, to go through hell and to rise from the dead just for a minor change in our life, just for a good idea that we'll accept him. You know, Okay, my sins are forgiven, and I'll leave it there. I'll just struggle for life. No, 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 no. God sent him for much, much more than, than that. First of all, we are aware, and you know, that when Jesus died, he bore our sins. We know that. Uh, and, and he bore the sins of the whole world, the Bible says, for the many. For the many. Whenever the Bible talks about the many, and in fact, as many as fell under Adam, as many Jesus died for. Say many. Right. Some theologians managed to mess that up, but it's not complicated. If they fell, if the many who fell in Adam, the many were redeemed in Christ. And that's you and me. And so we know about that. Don't we know about that? He bore our sin. Isaiah 53 paints it, and it's horrible. Surely he bore my infirmities and carried my diseases, and by his stripes we were healed. All right. Our sins were paid, but it didn't stop there. He didn't just pay the price in the sin, and the body get buried, and his spirit go to be with the Father, and the body stayed there. It didn't stop there. There was a resurrection. And why was there a resurrection? Why? Why was there a resurrection? Something more than just payment of our sins happened. And it's good. We come to the cross. We, we, we say sorry. We repent of our sins. We receive forgiveness. It's available for us there. But more than just happened. His body was broken 
for us. This is the bread of his body broken for us. But over here, there's the blood of a new covenant. Do you know there's only one thing that carried over from the old covenant to the new covenant? Do you know what it is? One thing. The blood of Jesus. It's the only thing that was effective in the old covenant and is effective in the new covenant. It carried over. So we read, turn, turn, uh, please turn to Romans chapter 6. That's my introduction. Sermon time's half over. Romans chapter 6. And those of us, I think we had, what, five or six baptized yesterday. And we talk about, I, I like you doing it, and you would have noticed probably, those of you that we got baptized would have noticed. I like to hold them down just that little bit longer. <laughs> yes, so they start to feel that little bit, uh, that feeling of comfort, and I'm holding them down forcefully because, you know, you can, you know, uh, anyone, I know it's a, it's a sad thing to talk about, but anyone can, can die, you know, uh, and a lot of people have, and some people kill themselves, but no one's managed to pull off a resurrection. Have you noticed that? Just one. It says here, do you not know, Romans 6, do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ, uh, into Christ, have been baptized into his death? In God's eyes, when Jesus died, we died. In God's eyes, the list of good things that we've done and the list of bad things that were done, all of them went down with him. You can't just say, Lord, I'm going to keep the good things, I'm going to just, the way you're going to figure. No, because that's called self-righteousness. So it says, when he died, we were baptized with him, we went down with him, and therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was risen from the dead through the glory of the Father so that we too might walk in newness of life. Apparently, this resurrection power, the Bible says the same spirit, the same power, and the same spirit, both, both of them, that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Now I know we're sitting there thinking, like, is this just a sermon? Is it just nice theory? Is it that this is a vital reality? A friend of mine died a couple of weeks ago, John Miller. I hadn't known him in a little while, but I remember hearing his story about how he discovered the healing power of God and it almost caught him by surprise. A little Aboriginal woman, he was running a service, it was like three or four people, and uh, and she had a crippled leg and he just prayed for it and he came back next week and there was a huge crowd there and he said, why is this crowd here? Because because he'd laid hands on her, prayed for her, then he'd gone away and done his work for a week and came back, and during that week she got healed. 
or during that week, I should say, she received her healing. Because really, her healing was paid for and uh, on, on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says, by his stripes we were healed. But she received it. And, and then he began praying for people and it's like, and, and there's miracles popping up left, right and center. And I asked him, we were having lunch and I asked him, I says, what, why, what happens? Why do you, what do you do when you pray? Because I'd, I'd seen what he'd done. Uh, so he'd pray for something and then he'd get them to, to, to do what they couldn't do before he prayed. And he said, I just believe Jesus is going to heal them. And he had great faith for gifts of miracles, working of miracles, which is different to just receiving by faith, but it's part and parcel of the same thing. But it says here that we rose with him that we might walk in newness of life. Apparently our walk before the resurrection is different to our walk after the resurrection. Apparently it affects the way we walk. And because we, we know when the Bible talks about walk, it talks about meaning your manner of life. But we can imagine because, you know, before the resurrection, we go, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner. And walk around, you know, like, created me a clean heart. After the resurrection, we're supposed to walk like a risen Savior. And just stay in the buggy. You know that expression? You ever been on one of those hay rides? Yeah, in a hay rides. What's that in Spanish? You know, like you. Who knows what a hay ride is? You got a tractor, you got a trailer, you got hay. You sit on the back and you go around the farm. Come on, all right. And you know, it gets bumpy. You know, and the guy in the tractor says, "Just hang on, just stay in the buggy." Because you stay in the buggy, I'm asking you to stay in the buggy. Here. I'm going to show you some things the Bible says. All right? Because apparently it's got to change the way we walk. Because who knows, when Jesus was carrying the cross to, to Golgotha, he was carrying it one way, and it was horrible. And it was burdened by sin. And when we come to Jesus, when we come to learn forgiveness, we come humbly. Right? Right? But then he died... Who knows the way he walked out of that tomb was different to the way he walked in. And the Bible says we've got to walk differently after the resurrection. We've got to look at ourselves differently. If we died with Christ, the Bible says, then we rose with him. And that's got huge implications. All right? It says, uh, just flip over to Ephesians 1. And um, there's a prayer here. I'm going to read a fair bit of the prayer. Ephesians 1 and verse... Um, Yeah, verse 17, he said, verse 16, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, this is a Holy Spirit prayer. We'll just pause for a second. So this is a prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. We can pray this for ourselves. All right? 
Now you might not be sure what to pray sometimes, but we can take this prayer, we know it's the will of God, so we can pray for ourselves this prayer. And it's a good idea to get this prayer and just pray it. You can pray it over and over again. Put your name in it. He says this, uh, that the God, verse 17, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Apparently, what he's about to pray for is not ordinarily or by default known even to Christians. Because if it was by default known, then he wouldn't have to pray that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Are you with me? Now that means for us, uh, even in our born-again state with new life, this is not a default knowledge. We actually have to meditate on the scripture and trust God to reveal it into our hearts, what he's about to share. It happened, it's real, it's true, but just like that big footballer in Tari High School, you know, Mark, if we have no idea of who we are in the resurrection, then we won't walk in this newness of life. So he says here, I pray that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you would know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his inheritance in the saints, what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us. He wants us to know the hope or the certainty of God's call on your life. All right? He wants us to know how rich the glory is of what we have inherited with all the saints. He wants us to know, God wants you to know. He wrote this as a prayer. Not me. He wants us to know what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us. How great is his power that is exerted on our behalf towards us, which is in, in accordance or equivalent to the power that rose Christ from the dead. Evidently, sports fans, we have available to us the same power that rose Christ from the dead. It's not our power. It's not by anything we've done. And we need a revelation of it. But evidently, we have it. Evidently, it's there. And it's not the only verse. There's plenty of others. You see, everything that happens in the world, one way or another, has a spiritual cause. And I don't mean you go looking for demons under every tree or whatever. You know, and there's things that God has set in motion that just happen in natural, naturally because they're being he's set those. But everything, one way or another, has an origin, has 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 a cause spiritually. Even way back in the beginning, God, who is spirit, spoke. He said, "Let there be light." So light has a spiritual cause. True. All right. So everything that happens. But the Bible says, the Bible calls Satan the god of this world. He says, the God of this world who has blinded people's eyes. And Satan's claim on us was sin. 
His claim on us is that Adam and Eve sold the birthright of authority on this earth. Remember, God said, "I give you know, I give you you know, go and and uh, and um, name all the animals, tend the garden." He gave Adam and Eve authority. Adam and Eve sold it out. So the Bible says that Satan became the god of this world. And so what was really happening here, one, Christ was dying for our sins. And, and, and when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we, we ask for forgiveness of sins, uh, all of a sudden, Satan has no claim over us. His only claim really is bluff. You know, the Bible talks about, it says the weapons of our war, the weapons of our, uh, our warfare are not carnal. Then it goes and talks about all the beliefs. So if Satan can make you believe that he's got power over your life, then he'll take it. But, but really, turn me just to Colossians. I just want to show you this. And Colossians chapter 2, and then we'll just give some examples. Philippians, Colossians chapter 2, we'll start verse 12. It says this, we got it? You got it up there? Good. All right, it's coming. It says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which also you were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all our transgressions, having cancelled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile against us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed them to the cross. Then, what happens? It says, then he disarmed. He took away the power. Then he disarmed the rulers and authorities, talking about the spiritual rulers and authorities. He made a public display of them, triumphing over them. So not only were our sins paid for, but Satan was stripped of any claim or authority that he can have on our life. And he made a public display of him. I tell you this, Satan doesn't want you to come to the cross. He doesn't want you to recognize that Jesus died for your sins and to ask for forgiveness. But if you do, and if you've, you've come to be a Christian, you've come to accept him as Lord, say, he wants to keep you there. Because what he really doesn't want, he doesn't want you there on Sunday morning. He doesn't want you to see the resurrection. Because in between Friday and Sunday morning, Satan was stripped of his power. And the Bible says, we rose with him. And it says in Colossians, it says in Philippians, that every name that he gave Jesus, the name above every name, every name that is named, and put him under the, his feet, his body, Who's his body? Who's his body? Turn the person next to you if you're a Christian say, you're his body. He put him under 
his feet. So we can, we have good theology. I don't know whether this is, you know, Reformed theology or Pentecostal theology. I don't care. It's in the Bible. It says he's under our feet. The devil is under our feet. He's under your feet. He can say, devil, you're under my feet. I hope they smell. I'm not going to change my socks just for you. Just I'm going to believe it's sweaty. But I'm going to remind you, you're under my feet. It's good to say he's under our feet. Because we're part of the body of Christ. If we're in the body of Christ, where's the devil? Under our feet. He doesn't want you to know that. Bait breath, split foot is under our feet. The Bible says he goes round as a roaring lion. He's pretending to be a roaring lion. He's just standing there going, Rawr! but he's being detoothed and declawed. And the only way he can make you run is if you're scared of him. But it didn't just happen then. It didn't just end there. Because Jesus said, Matthew 28, Kim read it. He said, all authority. How much? All. all. Now I looked up that word in the Greek. And do you know what the Greek word all means? All. all. That means there is no authority. There is no depression. There is no recession. There is no oppression. Oppression. Or any pressions. Impressions. There is nothing which can come against you. And see, Satan's out there. This chaos that's happening in the world at the moment. Don't be surprised, the Bible says. Don't be surprised. Look to him. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Don't fret about vaccines. Don't fret about Mark of the Beast. It's going to happen. But we're delivered. Oh, goodness. That's right. Don't just come up. That's right. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go you, therefore. Go you, therefore. Who did he send? You. You know, time and time again, we ask God to do things that he's asked us to do. I mean, how rude is that? How rude is that? You know, Mark chapter 16. He says, he says, uh, Go into all the nations and those who believe they shall lay hands on the sick. They shall cast out devils. Not God. Not Jesus. Me. You. Are you an earthen vessel? Have you got failings? Have you, you still got weakness? You got doubts? Fear? Sin sometimes? Guess what? You qualify. Yeah. You qualify for the grace of God. Amen. You're the earthen vessel. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, reveal it to us. Yeah. Lord, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We wouldn't sit here like stuffed dummies. <laughs> you can sit here now. I don't want you running around now. The other churches, you can run around. You can fall down. We've got smoke and all that sort of stuff. But, but let's take this in. Let's take this in. There's a verse. There's a verse in uh, James 5. We know it all by heart. James, sorry, James 4, chapter 7. It says, resist 
the devil and he will flee. So what it says? Do you know that word flee means to run away in terror? But most of the time, who's heard that verse? Resist the devil and he shall flee. Who's heard that one? Who's heard? Resist the devil and he shall flee. James 4, chapter 7. Resist the devil and, and he shall flee. He shall flee in terror. If we resist the devil, the devil flees in terror. But do you know what? I didn't quote that whole verse there. Don't you get smart because we talked about it. I didn't quote that whole verse. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Because when Christ died, we died with him. When Christ rose, we rose with him. So when we resist the devil, when we say, thus far, no further with my family. Thus far, no further with my finances. Thus far, no further with my body. We resist him. He will flee in terror from me. Say this with me. When I resist the devil, he flees in terror from me. Hallelujah. And we can be like Peter and John. We give in the name of Jesus. They say, don't be amazed. It's just faith in the name of Jesus. I just believe what he did for me. Just believe what he did for me. 